Yo, yo, welcome to Crypto 101, the average consumer's guide to cryptocurrency. This is Matthew Aaron. And today we have three more coins for 101s. We have Komodo. Komodo was based off of a technology project called SuperNet. We mitigate a lot of the, the overhead issues that starting a new chain entails. Namecoin. Kelly, the origin of Namecoin, the, the underlying medium to build a decentralized domain name system. And Vercoin. From an ethos standpoint, Vercoin's still going right along uh, the same as it was two years ago. But before we get into that conversation, please go to our website. There you can find ways to follow our social media, our Twitter, crypto underscore underscore 101. My personal, at Matthew underscore underscore 101. Join our Facebook community. Join the conversation of all kinds of people there to discuss blockchain, cryptocurrency, and share their ideas. A like-minded community with no FUD, no harassment, just there to encourage you to learn about blockchain and cryptocurrency. Remember, wherever you're listening to this episode, please hit the subscribe button, hit five stars, and leave us a positive comment. It helps us stay visible so more and more people getting into blockchain cryptocurrency can find these shows to learn. I want to say thank you to a couple people, the Crypto 101 editors, for editing these episodes, as well as our sponsor today, Unchained Convention in Berlin, June 14th and June 15th. Check out our promo code for 20% off the tickets to that conference, and I will see you there. And finally, remember, this is not trading advice, financial advice, investment advice, and definitely not personal advice. So enjoy these conversations with Komodo, Namecoin, and Vertcoin. We'll see you after the show. Jason Brown, Head of Business Development for Komodo. Welcome to Crypto 101. Oh, hello. Thank you for having me. <laughs> no worries. No worries. I'd like to get straight into it. What is Komodo? It's ranked at number 54 today as of May 7th with $125 million market cap. Please give us a history of this coin. Sure. So uh, Komodo was based off of a technology project called SuperNet back in uh, 2014 and 2015. It was originally on the NXT platform. Uh, however, due to some uh, issues such as backwards compatibility and uh, what they were doing with their asset system, it was decided to create a new blockchain. And around this time, Zcash came out with their uh, zero knowledge proofs. So we decided it was best to uh, build off of that technology and add what we already created over the past several years you know, on top of that. Um, this gave us the ability to have our own chain and uh, so to not worry about what third party developers or, or that might uh, uh, put some uh, new updates in there that might you know break our software or other issues dealing with autonomy. Right on, man. So what is Komodo developed for then? Uh, Komodo is created for blockchain developers. So what it brings to the table is a, a system to allow you to create your own blockchain. It could be proof of work, proof of stake, or a hybrid mixture. Uh, it could be a couple different algorithms. Currently, we have Equihash and Hash, but in the future, there will be uh, GPU-friendly algorithms as well. And with this blockchain that you create, you have access to a wide array of technologies to to get the best of all worlds. So through our delayed proof of work mechanism, your blockchain can be as secure as Bitcoin. Through Zcash's zero knowledge proofs, you can have a blockchain as private as Zcash, or even more so depending on how you implement it. Through the multi-chain architecture, you can your blockchain can scale without limit. And this is very different than uh, many other platforms, which force you to build on top of them. And that leads to various issues when you your project actually becomes popular. And as we've seen uh, with CryptoKitties and on the Ethereum platform uh, a year or so ago. 
So the the Komodo uh, platform is a it's not a purely developer focused platform. However, it is primarily developer focused. Soon uh, we will be releasing a app through Amazon Web Services that will streamline the process of starting a blockchain. So the amount of uh, developer work that goes into getting a project off the ground will be cut severely down, at which many businesses who are looking to get into space, that's what they're looking for. They don't necessarily have a crew of blockchain developers on hand, so they need as much of a starting uh, boost, if you will, to get their project up and running into a production level. I'm still a little confused how this works or what it does, because I've, I've had a couple of companies or projects on the show that they say, okay, well, you run off of our blockchain and you make either child chains or side chains, but you just said making your own blockchain. I'm confused. Is this running like child chains or side chains on the Kubota blockchain? Or is it just something totally different where they have to also set up their decentralized network and what have you? Or can you please explain a little, sure. a little more clearly? Uh, yes. So this is your own independent blockchain. So it's not a child chain or a side chain, though our technology allows for things like side chains as well, if you wanted to use that route. And the reason why we decided to allow developers to build on their own completely independent blockchain while at the same time using our technology to add additional features is because we don't agree with the model that majority of platforms are using. Actually, I think all platforms are using of locking people in with you know things like gas costs or, or things like relying on main developers, technology builds. And this uh, really def- differentiates us from every other platform. Um, so, so you are offering everybody the freedom to figure out how they want their own blockchain to run. Correct. And we mitigate a lot of the, the overhead issues that starting a new chain entails, such as uh, you know security mechanism. Uh, many uh, small blockchains don't have enough hash rate to keep their blockchain secure. Mm-hmm. Um, so we invented a mechanism that piggybacks off on Bitcoin security so they don't have to worry about securing their blockchain as much. They still need a base level of hash rate, but you could maintain a blockchain provided that you you waited for the delayed proof of work confirmations with as low of hash rate as something like a GPU securing the network, even though that would normally be taken out by a an attacker. The delayed proof of work allows even such a low hash rate to secure a blockchain. And there's other reasons why developers would like to join our platform and build on independent blockchain as well, is that you don't need every piece of functionality necessarily for your project. So mm-hmm. why carry all this additional weight? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And in, in your software for a bunch of function of you know, features that you're never going to use, or that might actually provide a, a, a liability to you in the future. If, mm-hmm. Like, for instance, if you have uh, no intention of using privacy on your blockchain, you know, you don't want to have something like ZK Snark's Sprout Protocol laying around in the background, somebody could take advantage of. So to be able to uh, basically cut uh, out unneeded features and to put in features that are unique to your chain in an easy fashion is what we're really providing. And puts us a step above competing platforms. And that's actually pretty cool. So you you have the opportunity and the flexibility to make your own blockchain. You can make it decentralized. You can tell everybody to start you know mining it off of your GPUs. You can make it uh, centralized if you want. You could you, you could just have a desktop at your house. Just maintain your blockchain. Correct. Correct. Yes, you can have a, a centralized chain as well, uh, a permission chain. And uh, we've been looking into some uh, use cases for that as well. Like a lot of issues that a blockchain tends to face are. are 
are based off of how decentralized it is when like such as latency issues and, and such and block times and being able to transmit all that data in such a short amount of time to all the nodes on the network. But if you're doing it on a like a centralized version, say as like a local area network where you just needed like a college university, for instance, where you just needed the nodes in that small area, you didn't need to connect everywhere in the world, then you can not only do that with our platform, but do it in a way that greatly exceeds the capabilities of blockchains uh, currently. Like on a local area network, you really don't have to worry about latency too much. So you can have like one second block times. Maybe that's a little too too fast, but you get the idea is that uh, right. you don't have to wait a minute or, or so on to uh, be able to send a transaction to be nearly instantaneous. And there are several use cases. I mentioned the universities as well as uh, their manufacturing could also use this as well for their applications. Where did the name Komodo come from and why? Uh, so the name Komodo, you know, it's based off the, the big lizard. <laughs> so we chose this name because our lead developer, he originally coded a Bitcoin core implementation in C called Iguana, and then developed a light network called Basilisk. And just from there, we just kept having this lizard code name thing. Uh, so Komodo eventually came about. We also, uh, initially, our independent chains were called Geckos. So we, yeah, we have a whole lizard code naming thing with our software products. Right on, right on. How do you justify a $125 million market cap? What is the money used for? How do you pay for your, your business and your business expenses? And with 125 million, I mean, a lot of companies aren't even that big, you know? So what kind of revenue are you guys bringing in and what kind of people are developing on this platform as we speak to justify that kind of market cap? Well, uh, a couple of things. Um, it, the first thing to understand about Komodo is, itself is that Komodo is very much similar to Bitcoin in the sense that it is a decentralized community and it's not a uh, just one company developing everything. There's approximately four dozen projects right now that are built in the ecosystem and that all have different mechanisms of generating funds. Some are pretty straightforward, such as service providers that provide blockchain services or integration services into a different products like our wallets into barter decks and delayed proof of work. Komodo itself has a system where a bunch of notary nodes secure all these blockchains that are working with us and are paid by those blockchains. Uh, so as I mentioned, we have 50 blockchains, I said four dozen, but uh, around 50 blockchains right now that are uh, currently paying us to paying the notary node operators to secure their networks. Additionally, we have future uh, revenue sources planned through our atomic swap exchange. There is a fee attached as paid to another asset provider. As additionally, we have projects such as Red Fox that are acting as incubators for Komodo-based businesses, which will funnel back into the Komodo development as well. You were asking about who is building on our platform. Uh, we have a, a lot of different kinds of projects. However, uh, a lot of them are based in fintech space. And currently, we have one that uh, called Zero Crypto Union that's looking at forming a uh, credit union. We have another one called, uh, based at Mamara University in Turkey that is working on a credit system based off of not sure if I'm explaining this right, but it, it's similar to uh, basically double backing checks. So uh, somebody would sign a check and then it gets passed on to another person who signs it. And then up until the check is able to be cleared. So post-dated checking, that's what I meant. So it, those are some of the, the projects that, that are currently building onto the Komodo platform and are currently paying fees and revenue 
into that and a lot of them as well whenever they start generating their own revenue have elected to pay fees in, in such in komodo as well right on right on if somebody's interested in komodo or developing on komodo creating their own blockchain where can they go to find out more information sir well the best place to find out would be our, our website uh, komodoplatform.com specifically developers.komodoplatform.com if they're looking at you know developing their own blockchain there's also, if they wanted to reach out to uh, any of the developers uh, personally, it would be best to join the Komodo Discord. Our community is one of the most open in all of crypto, and uh, you know, many of our devs will you know, take time out to help you you know, understand what's going on with the project, you know, any errors that you might come up with or help you solve problems that you can't solve while working with our technology. Right on, man. And I, I'm sorry if you answered this already, but what if you're not a developer? Can, can do you guys have the resources or the developers to build a blockchain for me? Um, there are uh, a couple of service providers in our ecosystem. Two of the, the most prominent ones, uh, one is called uh, Chainmakers. Uh, they're based in the U.S. and uh, Puerto Rico. They provide a service where you can pay to have somebody build a blockchain for you, get all this integration stuff done. There's another one based out of Panama called Chainzilla that does a very similar uh, service as well. They'll build you a blockchain integrated into their, their wallet, into the Komodo wallet, and all of our different products that are coming out. Right on, man. Right on. Jason Brown, Head of Business Development for Komodo. Thank you for coming on Crypto 101 and giving us that 101. Thank you for having me. Hi, this is Oscar, organizer and founder of Unchained Convention, our Bitcoin and blockchain conference that is also an event experience with live music and a lot of artists from all over the world will take place on the 14th and 15th of June this year in Berlin at Holzmarkt. Some of our speakers confirmed are Tone Vase, Ricardo Spagni, aka Fluffy Pony, Elena Vranova, Brock Pierce and many others. Ticket prices start at 0.1 BTC for the crypto ticket. And herewith I invite all you crypto listeners to attend our event. Please use our promo code LEV8MPUC one more time LEV8MPUC to get a 20% discount on our standard and experience tickets. Check out www.unchain-convention.com and see you in Berlin soon. Looking forward to having you. Daniel Kraft, lead developer of Namecoin. Welcome to Crypto 101, sir. Thank you for uh, inviting me and welcome everybody. Absolutely. Daniel, I love to just get right down to it, get to the nitty gritty. First, tell me about yourself and tell me about the origins of Namecoin. I think that Namecoin is the first Bitcoin fork. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. So um, about myself, uh, I've been interested in Bitcoin since 2011 when I first heard about it. And uh, ever since then, I've been fascinated by the technological innovation and uh, the things that you can do with it that couldn't be done before. And since about 2013, uh, I'm actually also developing in the space. And uh, since 2014, I'm the lead developer for Namecoin, uh, which is a role that I took over from, from other people before. And since Namecoin is uh, a fork of Bitcoin, as we've heard, uh, it's based code-wise very closely on Bitcoin with some uh, additions and extensions. And because of that, we also uh, try to contribute any changes that we do that seem useful, not just for Namecoin, but also for Bitcoin Core back to that. And because of that, since 
seen. I'm also not a, a super frequent, but uh, from time to time, I contributed to Bitcoin Core itself. You said that you're very interested in the tech innovation of Bitcoin and that block in blockchain. What is it about the innovation that you are interested in? What aspects? Well, uh, just uh, that when Satoshi created Bitcoin, basically he created the very first system that made it possible to build a distributed uh, system for storing value, for transferring value without any central instance. And uh, that is something that if you if you thought about it before, or if you think about it, uh, maybe when you don't yet know how Bitcoin works, is something that seems pretty impossible to do because you always need to have some central instance or some some bank or whatever that manages uh, the the ledger of balances for you and with uh, the things that Satoshi did when he like put together different things that were available but that were not like in combination he actually made it possible to solve that problem namecoin has been around for a long time has the origin and the purpose of namecoin always been consistent what purpose did namecoin serve and has that evolved over time so uh, here i have to say that i've actually not been the creator of namecoin or been involved since the start i joined later and then i kind of took over the development of the core client and, and all that but from uh, from what i know basically the origin of namecoin uh, was a, a discussion in the early bitcoin community even on bitcoin talk at the end of 2010 when it was uh, not yet really clear when Bitcoin was uh, much, much more niche than it is today. And when it was absolutely not clear that it or how it could go to go mainstream in some sense. And uh, the community members at that time, I think they uh, feared that if Bitcoin actually got bigger than it was at that time, that there might be some kind of government crackdown. And uh, so the idea was born that you could try to use a blockchain as um, the, the underlying medium to build a decentralized domain name system so that you could host uh, Bitcoin websites, for instance, in a censorship resistant way. Got it. Got it. So you guys are like, like a .com, but for the blockchain. Yeah. So uh, Namecoin itself on a technical level is, is more general than that. It is basically just a system where you can uh, create human readable names and then you can associate data to it. Everyone can read it. But the, the main application and the application for which it was originally meant is exactly like you said, to build a domain name system where you could register a, a name like mybitcoinsite.bit. And then uh, everyone can look the data up and can find uh, where the server is and can access that site, but without any central instance like uh, Verisign for .com or the ICANN that uh, governments could uh, like pressure in seizing that domain name and shutting down the website, basically. Just a question about some competition maybe is in the market right now. I just had a company called Unstoppable Domains and they have the .zil domain. Is there a difference between the domain names .bit .zil or do they actually serve kind of like the same purpose? Uh, I have to say that I've never heard of this company, uh, to be honest. There are some blockchain projects like uh, Ethereum has the uh, ENS, but I think that is mostly for like a smart contract and uh, Ethereum addresses and not for general purpose and for like outside the system things like uh, normal domain names. And then there are uh, other companies, for instance, like Blockstack that uh, are more in the, the field for human readable names for identities, uh, which Namecoin can also do, but it's not the, the main application. Uh, but I honestly cannot answer your question about that particular company. How many people are using the dot bit right now and what are they using it for? So um, 
I don't have exact numbers, and of course, you you cannot really say that for a distributed system because you don't know like uh, what addresses belong to the same uh, person, what names are actually owned by the same person, or what what someone is really intending to do with a name. Um, but I think there are about a hundred thousand or so names that are registered, but most of those are not uh, cannot actually be resolved at the moment, so they are probably uh, just reserved for future use. And I think there are at the order of hundreds to few few thousands of names that can actually be associated to a real server or that you could actually browse to. And I think it is mostly uh, just websites where people are interested in .bit and uh, use that just as a secondary domain name. Um, but that is, I, I think that is uh, mainly the, the case because uh, currently it is not very easy to actually access .bit sites. It is, there, there's a bit of a chicken and the egg problem here that you need to, that we, we need to make uh, .bit easier accessible so that there are more users that can actually browse to it and not just like very tech-savvy ones. And uh, if you do that, then people will start using it for actual websites and maybe uh, as the only domain name rather than buying a centralized one. I guess I'm kind of confused then. Um, if, if it's a .bit, you just can't hop on a normal browser and say crypto101.bit. Is there a more of a process to access .bit? Uh, yes, exactly. Because uh, obviously, if you try to do that, then you will go through the ordinary uh, DNS system. And uh, Namecoin is not part of that because that's by design, right? If you if you had uh, an ordinary .bit uh, domain name, then it would go through ICANN because that's how it works. So it will be centralized. So in order to access uh, .bit, what you need to do is either you need to like use a non-standard uh, domain name server that supports uh, .bit lookups, but then you are again trusting that server as a central instance. So that is not actually in the spirit of a fully decentralized uh, blockchain. So the correct way to do it kind of is to run a blockchain client either Namecoin Core, or we also have a version of uh, Electrum that is a light client, and uh, then use that for lookups. So uh, you would have to configure your browser in a way that if you go to uh, crypto101podcast.bit, that it would uh, recognize that this is actually a, a Namecoin name, and then it would uh, do the lookup by calling uh, your client, Namecoin Core or uh, Namecoin Electrum, and doing the lookup by reading data from the blockchain. And if because if if you do this, that is the only way that you are actually sure that the data you get is correct without trusting any central instance. This might sound like a naive question, but I am definitely not tech savvy. And since we are Crypto 101, I would assume, and I always would assume that if I had like a .bit or .zil or any other kind of like um, alternate decentralized or censorship resistant uh, domain address, I could just go on my browser and, and search it because, well, it's going to be there and the browser is just a window into what's going on on the internet. But now you say that the browsers have to be configured specially to access this .bit. Is there other um dot say whatever's at the end that your browser is just natively doesn't support um that we're kind of like being because i this is something i, I never thought of before or even knew about i know dot com dot org dot co dot company dot whatever whatever it is and i know i can access that by my browsers but is there a lot of maybe the outside of what my browser is able to search for that i'm not even privy to be accessing well i mean everyone can if they want to start a project that defines one of these addresses and if they manage to get uh, people to extend their browsers to look it up uh, look it up it through whatever way they want uh, i think one of the possibly most common um, alternative extensions like this is dot onion for tour services um, which is for instance used also for 
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. For all these dark marketplaces where we can buy shady stuff using uh, cryptocurrencies. And that also works only if you have kind of a browser that goes through Tor, like the Tor browser, or you configure your proxy server. And that proxy server then intercepts uh, requests to something.onion and uh, knows how to route that through the Tor network rather than going through the standard DNS. And by that, you can browse those websites. And for .bit, it is similar, except that it is not directly related to Tor, but uh, you just, uh, when you look up the name, then there is some software component that could be a browser add-on or that could be a proxy server or whatever um, that then intercepts this and does the lookup through the blockchain and then directs you to the to the right place. And of course, uh, installing that and configuring your browser to do that uh, does not have to be complicated. At the moment, it is not very easy, but we are actively working on projects and on tools that will make it easier in the future to install something like that and to to access .bit, um, even if you're not tech savvy. You are, you are ranked today number two forty three on Coin Market Cap, which with a market cap of fourteen million dollars. If this is just a uh, DNS, if this is just dot .bit, if this is just a tool for people to use, why do we need a coin or why do we need value um, and why do we need trading volume for, for Namecoin? Uh, so the Namecoin team definitely does not see Namecoin mainly as a currency. It is mainly a, a tool, as you said. But the, the role of the separate coin is so that you, so you need uh, the coins in the system for for different purposes one of them is to actually incentivize miners of the blockchain so that you get them to secure uh, your blockchain and you actually get security through that uh, the second is to actually pay transaction fees uh, for sending the coins to someone but also for doing changes to the names and storing data associated to the names and in that uh, capacity it is basically a spam prevention mechanism and uh, the third purpose is that you actually need the coins to buy names. So I think an early proposal of the system uh, would have been so that basically whenever you mine a block on the blockchain, then you're entitled to register a name for that. Um, but if you would have done it that way, then it would have meant that only miners can actually register names, which maybe at the time of 2010 was fine because their most mining was still kind of decentralized uh, by just uh, ordinary people using GPUs. Uh, but in the long term, that is obviously not very usable. So uh, then the community came up with this concept of introducing a coin so that miners could get a coin for or coins for mining blocks, but then they could sell those coins for Bitcoin or whatever way they like to other people. And then other people could then use those coins to buy names instead. It doesn't seem like with this system that you have that the price or the value of Namecoin can ever get really high. It seems that it's just there for mediation and governance and so to stop you know bad actors to, from interacting on the on the platform. So there's really never ever any kind of push to get Namecoin to be a higher market cap. Um, I mean, first of all, uh, as one of the, the early altcoins, Namecoin actually was uh, in the top spots of crypto market cap a couple of years ago. Uh, it was uh, at rank four or five or so. But uh, as I said, the community does not really see Namecoin uh, as a currency foremost. 
so uh, as long as it, it fulfills the purpose of uh, securing the blockchain, incentivizing miners and allowing to register names, that is what we wanted to do. But obviously, if you take uh, some other currency or some, some other cryptocurrency that is really just meant to be a copy of Bitcoin and the currency like Litecoin or Dogecoin, uh, then Namecoin actually has more purpose uh, than than those because you actually can do something with your coins that you cannot do with Bitcoin. Of course, there can be speculation and I think that allows the price to go anywhere, but uh, it is not something that we as the team actively see as the main feature or the, the main goal of our work to push up the market cap. Because I think that will come naturally if uh, we succeed at building a, a good and especially easily accessible domain name system for everyone. And then the price will just reflect uh, organic usage of the system at some point. If listeners want to interact with the dot bit, kind of want to start playing around, maybe get their own dot bit or find out more about Namecoin or yourself, how would they do that? Um, obviously, our website is a good starting place to to read about some, some basic things. Um, then we have a forum where people could ask questions and uh, we are likely to, to answer them. Or uh, also on Bitcoin Talk, we have uh, even the original announcement thread where still some discussion is going on and I and other community members read there. So also there we would answer questions. Excellent. And, and what is your website? It, namecoin.org, correct? Yes, exactly. And your forum, does it have a name? Uh, forum.namecoin.org. I guess it's linked from the main website. Awesome, man. Daniel Kraft, lead developer of Namecoin. Thank you for coming on Crypto 101 and giving us a 101 on your project, sir. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for the invitation. Kanan Sean Brown, chairman of the board of the Vertcoin Foundation. Welcome to Crypto 101, sir. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Bro, this is the second time Vertcoin has been on the show. The last time it was with James Lovejoy about two years ago. We did a 101 on Vertcoin. And Vertcoin, I think, is not even the same coin as it was two years ago. Am I correct? I mean, we're we're still the same as far as philosophy goes, but a lot of stuff has changed since then. A lot of additions, a lot of new people. You know, we went through the big 2017 spike in as far as uh, prices go. So a lot more people got interested. Uh, but from an ethos standpoint, Vercoin's still going right along uh, the same as it was two years ago. So before we get into what you guys have accomplished in the last two years, and listeners, if you want to hear what Vercoin was two years ago, listen to the president of the Vercoin Foundation, Mr. James Lovejoy. Go back into our archives about two years ago. You can hear that conversation. Great conversation with, with that man. It was about an hour long. So grab yourself some popcorn and refreshment and dig in. Before we get into everything that Vercoin has done the last two years, Kanan, can you please tell us the origin story of Vercoin? Yeah, sure. So Vertcoin was founded January 11th, 2014. It was a fork of Litecoin. So initially the coin was created as a ASIC resistance project compared to Litecoin and Bitcoin because Bitcoin initially started off as CPU mineable and then it went into GPU mineable and then it started to get into the ASIC uh, style mining. And for us, that's kind of our big selling point as a project is we are heavily dedicated to making mining available to everyone on everyday hardware. We don't want you to have to go through some sort of gatekeeper like Bitmain or have to pump out, you know, six, $7,000 for a piece of hardware in order to contribute to consensus when that piece of hardware, if there's a fork or even over the next few years, it's going to become so unprofitable that it's not even 
valuable anymore. So we'd much rather have people be able to mine on their graphics card and have everyday person be able to contribute to the consensus of the algorithm. I always loved that. And that's why I really liked Vertcoin for the longest time. I'm not going to say Plast Tense liked. That's why I really like Vertcoin. And fun fact, and I don't know if you know this, but about two years ago, I made a rant about Vertcoin in their branding, trying to move into the, the the Chinese market of how the green was not a good color. And you guys reached out to me and I was in a group with you guys about marketing brainstorming, which then I created a poll for the new tagline. And my suggestion was the people's coin. And when I put it on the poll and ran it, it's the one that won and it's the one that you guys are going with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're still using that. We're trying to play with a few different other types of taglines just because we want to kind of invoke more of, you know, we want people's coin in the sense that everybody can contribute, but we really want to focus around people being able to use this as an everyday currency and then to be able to be more responsible with your own currency. So we did float a little bit with like be your own bank, but then we found out that actually there's another crypto company that actually has that trademarked. Uh, so we can't use that. Uh, so we use a few other different ones, but yeah, we're still using the people's coin now, uh, even today. Sir, what has happened in the past two years of Vertcoin? First thing is I remember Vertbase came out. Can you tell us about, well, shit, everything that's happened in the past two years and especially Vertbase? Yeah, so uh, we'll start off with Vertbase. So Vertbase was a community project. So that was somebody in our community. They saw the need that we have a non-custodial way to purchase cryptocurrency. And at that point, initially it was purchased Vertcoin with USD, because really that's kind of your gatekeeper right now is you want to get into the market. You need to be able to take your local fiat currency and exchange that for your cryptocurrency of choice. So there was a community member, uh, his name is Justin. He's the CEO of Vertbase. And he, it was probably about a year and a half ago now, and came up with the idea of, hey, we're tired of waiting on Coinbase's and these other exchanges that kind of, at that point, especially we're holding projects hostage and you need to give us, you know, tens of thousands of dollars, if not a hundreds of thousands of dollars in order to get your cryptocurrency listed on our exchange just for people to have access. So why do we need them when we can just create our own? So he and a partner of his that's over in Australia, they developed the concept of Vertbase and they're following the exact same timeline of how Coinbase got started. But they initially were opened up here inside of the United States. I think it was like 45 states they have a money license with. So you could tie up your bank account directly into Coinbase. And the way that that works is that you buy the Vertcoin at that time, uh, because now they've expanded to more coins than just Vertcoin. But you could buy Vertcoin at an agreed upon price at the current listing. So you're not waiting for your money to transfer over to Vertbase and the price could go up or down while that money is transferring over like you do with Coinbase. With this, your money stays in your bank account. You agree to a price on Vertcoin and then you buy that the that set amount of Vertcoin at the agreed upon price. At that point, then the money is deducted from your bank account and then the coins, they're not held on Vertbase or on a wallet on Vertbase where, so you know the whole ethos of not your signatures, not your right. coins. Not your keys, you know, not your coins, right? Yeah, not your keys, not your coins. So they never hold on to them. So it is non-custodial. So, so you have to put in an address that you want those coins sent to. So the whole time from start to finish, 
your money stays in your bank account until you agree to, uh, upon a price. Then that money gets deducted and then the coins get sent to an address that you choose. So we loved that idea. And, you know, something, a little disclaimer I want to put out there is that Vertbase is not a product of Vertcoin, the project. It is a community product that came about because of the demand that was needed for this type of an exchange. And then we also help facilitate any sort of uh, coding that needed to be done as far as, uh, you know, just general, just asking questions of us. Hey, how do you do this? You know, we try to help him along and then also some branding ideas and stuff of that nature. But uh, it's a huge success. Um, They just now opened up uh, the British pound and the euro as an option. And they're also going to be bringing the Australian dollar on as a fiat currency to be able to get the different coins that are currently on that exchange. Awesome. Really quick. What coins can you buy with Versebase? Right now, I think it is Vertcoin, Bitcoin, Decred, Digibyte, Litecoin, and Ravencoin. Awesome. So those Excellent. are the current uh, supported coins on Vertbase right now. What else has happened in the past two years, sir? In the last two years, um, like I said, we have grown as a team. So one thing that's kind of cool about Vertcoin, and one of the reasons why we have not been very impacted by the downturn in the market since 2017 is our entire team are volunteers. So we don't get paid. All of our time and effort are put in because we're passionate about the philosophy behind Vertcoin. So like for me, I'm not a programmer. So I do marketing. I also have been chairman of the board of some other nonprofits in the past. So I bring my talents to help the project along. And that's kind of what everybody else does that's on the team. And one of the other cool things is since we're a community coin and we're all open source, Anybody can contribute. So you don't have to be, quote unquote, on the team in order to help facilitate Vertcoin further down the road to becoming an everyday usable currency. But over the last two years, um, one of the projects that we've developed is the One Click Miner. So it is a very user friendly mining operation. So most of the time, whenever you're mining, you really do have to know a little bit about code. It's a little complex in order to set it up. So we tried to simplify that as much as possible with a GUI interface. So that literally you put in your address. That you want to mine to, you push a button, you can open up your own P2 pool node right there. So you can start mining to that node. Uh, We remove CPU mining because it's not profitable at all. You select the graphics card that you have. So either you can have an NVIDIA or an AMD card, and then you click start mining and it does it right there. And it makes it very user friendly to allow the average person to be able to mine towards cryptocurrencies. Because right now, even still, I mean, you know, Bitcoin's been around for over 10 years now. It's still not user friendly to mine. And that was one of the main things that we focused on was getting that one click miner. I 100% agree, man. Uh, yeah. is it, can, can you mine on a MacBook Pro? So it's funny. We do not recommend people mine on a laptop simply because mining generates a lot of heat. And most laptops are not designed to be running constantly at max uh, GPU load. However, I mine on my work laptop, but I have a high-end gaming laptop that has crazy heat sinks on it and pushes out a ton of cooling. So it's it's completely capable of doing that. Um, but in theory, I would say you can mine on a MacBook Pro, but because how Macs build their laptops, I wouldn't advise it because of heat. Heat would gotcha. be a, a, a consistent issue with with that type of a laptop. Gotcha. Are there any other new or notable developments in the past two years? Yes. So we have just forked back in February to a new algorithm. So uh, some of your audience may know towards the end of 2018, Vertcoin was actually a victim of malicious use of the NiceHash 
rent hash power platform. And mm-hmm. uh, we had, uh, we still don't know if it was an individual, a group of individuals. Uh, we still don't even know how many, how much they actually got out of this, but there was a 51% attack, double spend attack on our algorithm. And as a result, um, no individual person was affected by that. The targets of 51% attacks are normally exchanges because that's where Mm -hmm. you can swap a ton of coins when you do that double spend. So as a result of that, we actually held off our development on our next algorithm, which is called VertHash, which I'd love to dive into here in just a second. And we ended up doing a small tweak to our current algorithm that we created about three and a half years ago called Layer2Rev2. We tweaked that algorithm and we came out with Lara 2 Rev 3. And this was in February. We did that hard fork that eliminated all of the ASICs that were on our network because somebody had developed an ASIC for that algorithm. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that was a motivator. But it also uh, and a lot of those people who had those ASICs were using NiceHash so that they could profit switch. So that eliminated any 51% attack on our network for the time being. As of right now, NiceHash only has, I think it's about 12% of our current network hash rate. So it's not even possible right now for someone to 51% attack us. So that was our latest big code change was changing that algorithm. And that's something that we have stuck to ever since our beginning. We have always stated that if anyone feels so bold to spend a ton of money on R&D to create an ASIC, we will fork the algorithm and we will knock you off of our algorithm because we do not stand by that. And that's kind of a contract that we have with our community and everybody is on the same page. Is um, a 51% attack illegal? It is not illegal in this because there isn't any regulations around it. It's simply right, that's you what I'm own. Yeah, there, it's not illegal because if 51% of anyone, so like right now, people will say Bitcoin cannot be 51% attacked. That's not true. If Bitmain decides, and we saw this kind of in the hashing wars going on with Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin uh, Cash SV. So that was a big hash power war between Roger Ver and Craig Wright. And that's kind of the problem with the ASICs in general in our minds when it comes to mining is that these huge companies like Bitmain, they own the majority of the hash power. The 80, I think it's 81% of the Bitcoin hash power is in China. China is a communist country. The government there could easily shut down all mining with, uh, you know, overnight. And now 80% of your mining power is gone from the Bitcoin network. That's why we believe that if you can put mining on everyday hardware, that opens up the amount of people who can actually contribute to the consensus and it spreads it out. So you're not hindered by any sort of government uh, crackdown or in the case of Bitcoin or Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin uh, Cash SV, these large multi-million dollar guys having a pissing contest and it's crashing the market because we saw that's what happened with the Bitcoin Cash fork when Craig Wright forked uh, right. SV. We're running a little bit out of time. I want to get into this question really quick. Vertcoin is a currency. It's a digital currency. There's a lot of different digital currencies, a lot of different governances, a lot of different ways to mine, a lot of different theories or ethos behind the currency aspect of it. Why is Vertcoin going to be successful in the future? What differentiates it besides the, the mining aspect of it? And how are you going to per, um, how are you going to continue the push for mainstream adoption of Vertcoin so that more people 
can use it to buy milk, bread or whatever. What is your future for Vertcoin? So our future for Vertcoin is we do want it to be an everyday currency. We want you to be able to go to any merchant or vendor and be able to exchange Vertcoin for goods and services. Now, the way that you have to go about doing that is you do have to make it super easy for that merchant to accept the currency. And at the end of the day, we've done a lot of research over the last year and talking with merchants on how to make this happen. So one of the main ways that we have to do that is we have to be able to have fast transactions just like Visa. So you don't have to sit around for, in the case of Bitcoin, you'd have to sit around for 10 minutes to get the next block reward to at least get one confirmation. With us, we have a 2.5 minute uh, block time. That's still not really fast enough to be an everyday transfer of goods and services. So we're also looking at adding the Lightning Network on top of that. Uh, so we have a few different ways of, about going that, but that's part of our R&D uh, in the future. We're also looking at point of sale solutions to kind of make it so that we could provide some software to a merchant and they're able to instantly transfer that vert coin at the end of the day back over to fiat because they have to pay their employees. They have to buy goods and services with the native currency. So while it is good to be able to transact with vert coin, we know that the merchants at the end of the day, they need to be able to pay their employees and pay taxes and stuff of that nature in the native currency. So we're trying to work out all of those problems as a project. Now, granted, we don't have the ICO and the tons of funds sitting around. So it's not as fast as some of these ICOs where they will claim to have all of these bright things in the future. Most of the time it doesn't materialize, but they do have the funds in order to at least hire full-time people. But that's kind of our goal is we're working with things like Vertbase in order to facilitate that money transfer. So that's kind of our idea in, in the future. And our biggest selling point, if you're looking at why Vertcoin should even exist, is if you think Bitcoin is a good thing, if you think Bitcoin is a good way to exchange value across oceans and not have to pay the 3% credit card fees or to pay Western Union $50 to send money over to Europe from the United States, Vertcoin has all of those same aspects, except we want everyday people to be able to mine it and be able to contribute to consensus because those consensus rules, such as there's only 21 million Bitcoin, that only stays that way if 51% of the network agrees to those rules. As soon as someone can control over 51% of the network, they can change those rules in the instance. And being able to distribute out that hash power uh, is the best way of keeping the original rules intact. So that's why Vertcoin, we believe that everybody should be able to contribute to mining. Um, but we believe that Bitcoin really, they had a lot of the right philosophies as far as the infrastructure and everything like that. The only thing they got wrong was ASICs. Mr. Sean Brown, a.k.a. Kanan, chairman of the board of Vertcoin Foundation. Before we get off today, I want to say thank you very much for coming on Crypto 101. And where can everyone find you or more information about Vertcoin. Yeah, sure. Thanks for having me. Um, so you can find a ton of information at our website, vertcoin.org. Uh, we also have a Discord channel. That is where our all of our conversations happen. And unlike a lot of other projects, we are very out in the open and will communicate and talk with anyone. So if you have any questions about marketing, development, if you're having problems installing the one-click miner or our wallet, um, anything of that nature, please come over to discord.gg forward slash Vertcoin. Um, we also have 
have a YouTube channel, Vertcoin. If you just Google search Vertcoin, you will be able to find all of our social sites, Twitter, Facebook, all of that. And we're always putting out monthly dev updates so you can see exactly what's happening. If you go over to Medium and you search for the Vertcoin blog, we put out a monthly update of everything we did in that previous month, including our financials. So one of the things with us being a volunteer organization is, and we don't have an ICO, all of our funds come are donated from the community. So we share every month what we spend our money on, how much money came in and everything of that nature, which is kind of rare in the space. But uh, once again, thank you for having me and I uh, look forward to being back on in the future. Awesome, brother. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Crypto 101. Thank you, Komodo, Namecoin, and Vertcoin for coming on the show and giving everybody 101s. In future episodes of Crypto 101, we have more 101s on great projects and people in the space. But we also have a couple series. Look out for the series with Michael Shilnai and myself during the New York Blockchain Week and Consensus, where we sit down with people such as Jameson Lop, Nicholas Merton, aka Data Dash, and much more. Also, check out the Blockchain Skeptics series with three individuals that look skeptically at Bitcoin and blockchain and write extensively on it, trying to encourage people to take a closer look and maybe not invest. I'm looking forward to those conversations. Remember, go to our social medias, Twitter at crypto underscore underscore 101 and my personal at Matthew underscore underscore 101. And feel free to send us an email, reach out at crypto101podcast.com. We'll see you in future episodes of Crypto 101. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.